0: Hello socialites and welcome back to the Social Studies Podcast, the podcast where we study being social by being social. Today, I can't even believe who we're getting to socialize with. Uh I was on a podcast last week called the art of kindness it's all about kindness and what you think about it i loved being on it i was asked who inspires me who who do i kind of build my comedy after and one person i said is lisa lampanelli i love lisa Lampinelli. always have since i was a little kid because a little kid i was in like high school it's because lisa you think she's one person and then she gets on a stage and she th- and throws it for a loop and twists you on your head. And I do the same in my comedy too. You think wholesome, cute gay kindergarten teachers and I get up there and I say it how it is. And I've always been inspired by that, which is so cool. Now she's flipping the script on herself again from the queen of mean to now the queen of meaningful. I can't even believe I get to say, welcome to the podcast, Lisa Lampanelli.
1: I'm more thrilled than you are because here. are you kidding? When my buddy who did create this art of kindness podcast played me what you said about me, like now that I'm not afraid of my emotions, I'm such a big mush. I got all choked up and I like, it was like, Oh my God. To just know that I was a part of any inspiration for you. That really made me happy. Lisa, so- and you
0: called me on my cell phone to tell me that it said it popped up. It's like Lisa Lampanelli is calling you. I'm like, shut the fuck up.
1: That's hilarious. I love that because also you don't understand. I come, my podcast, we just take two episodes tonight. And I insisted after talking to you yesterday on us doing an episode about asking for help Mm -hmm. because I need so much help from people in their twenties and thirties now to figure out this whole new world of social media and podcasting and all this stuff that I'm like, Oh my God, like just saying to you yesterday, Hey man, you know, can I go on your podcast? Can we talk? Can we dish about these different things? I'm like, oh, my God, it was such a good exercise for me to go. Yeah, just because somebody's half your age, it doesn't mean it's shameful to ask someone to help you.
0: I mean, and also we shot the shit for like an hour. Yes, oh, yeah. too. do. Yeah. There's I,
1: nothing like talking about comedy with a comic you respect, because, again, I'm not around comedy that much since I retired about four years ago mm-hmm. from stand up but I'm around open micers a lot because I help these beginning comics in Connecticut. And, you know, I have them on my, there, we do a podcast together and I'm just like, Oh, I like being around comics who are, you know, established too. Yeah. and is a peer and somebody who can really talk the nuts and bolts of how comedy really works yeah. and so that's why i was like oh my god we got along like a house on fire honey well
0: it was crazy too because you're seeing all these places that you've played to and i'm like breaking into them now and i'm like holy shit it was like it was so cool yesterday just chilling with you and talking with you about that and uh you even said you're like you're going to go even farther than that. I was like,
1: I think my exact quote was, and I, I say this very rarely to comics because, you know, it's a really tough business to make it in.
0: Man, like, isn't it though? And it
1: takes talent plus timing. And I don't believe in luck. I believe in making your own opportunities and, you know, doing what you've done, which is really just going, Hey, I'm going to really get savvy on social media and with my brand and all this. And I'm going to develop a freaking act that I work on every single day, which it appears you do. And I said exactly to you what I rarely say, which is, oh, I'm not worried about you. Like, you're fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Because there are comics that I do watch and I go, mm, yeah, that's going to be real tough. Right. And that's not an insult to them. It's just saying they don't know how to do what. The people who I don't worry about do seem to intrinsically just do.
0: But I want to talk to you about this too, because I thought it was so cool when we started chatting about it. You know, teach I was teaching for 12 years, and now you're in retirement moving towards coaching young comics, which Lisa, it's teaching. It's 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 yeah. coaching and teaching are the same thing. What are your biggest takeaways? What are you thinking about it? Do you like it?
1: Well, one know what's so funny about that. I forgot to tell you this yesterday because it's such an ancient part of my life. I forgot to tell you that I was an actual teacher. Shut the hell up. Guess where I went. And when I was 25. The convent. I went to no teacher's college at Columbia. No way. Yes, because I, okay, this is my problem. I'm a very emotional person. So what I would do was I'd be in one career I'd feel unfulfilled and jump to the opposite. Just like every guy I dated, I'd then date the opposite, right? So I I'd, I'd, I'd date a real dummy and then I'd be like, oh, a smart guy's the answer. So it's clearly just solve it, swapping one for the other. So I had been a journalist and I was working in rock and roll journalism at Rolling Stone and Hit Parader. I just felt it was soulless after a while. And I go, what can I do that will impact lives? I'll go to Teachers College at Columbia. So I went to school for, I literally lasted one year because I just knew it wasn't for me. Yeah. But I did student teach for a year, dude. It was hilarious. And I forgot to tell you about it. I worked for two days a week in Harlem yeah. at a black Catholic school. And then I worked two days a week at Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, which is all Italian at the time. Yeah. You know, two different worlds and the cutest thing was in fifth grade one of the fifth grade classes one of the little black girls came up to me because i was like the only teacher there who wasn't a nun yeah 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 to me hey miss lampanelli you mind if i call you miss lamb chop and i'm like <laughs> no that's fine i want to be liked and she goes you know we got a question about boys and uh You look like you done stuff. I'm like, oh my God, I wasn't even dressing like a whore back then. So but it's a special gift to be a freaking teacher, dude, because I couldn't do it. But now with the coaching of comedy and sort of shepherding these two guys along with this podcast we're doing, I'm like, oh, it's back to those old days at the diner when you're an open micer and just throwing out joke ideas and having a good time. And I always have been good at crafting comedy. Yeah and knowing what's funny. And I truly believe if you think it's funny, they will, but you gotta do it right.
0: You have to do it right.
1: So just right before we did this taping, I literally just walked into my house five minutes before cause uh, we met with this comic. We know who legitimately, I hate to say this, but I've said it to his face. You never saw a more unlikable guy in your life <laughs> on stage, <laughs> off stage, sweetest guy in the world. I said, you're not bringing yourself there. So tonight we worked on his act for an hour. And dude, it just fills my soul. I am so happy. And part of it is ego because I like being listened to and asked advice. You know, you feel worthy. But I do just know I have something. I got something to tell them. Even if I couldn't execute it, I could tell them what they should do.
0: I've always said, too, like, you can't take you can't take the teacher out of a teacher. It doesn't matter what you still do or what you do after. It's just like in, if you can do it, you're always going to do it when you find an opportunity to. I think. Oh that's my God, 100.
1: Cool. And what's funny is my sister, older sister, was a stockbroker, and she did really well. But I remember at age like 40, she said, asked you know, she went to her husband, and you know, because she was earning a lot of money, and she said, "I just don't have the heart for it. I want to be a teacher. I'd love to go back for my masters." I've never seen anyone turn it around and be so happy. She teaches kids with anxiety issues at mm-hmm. a special school, and I'm like, oh my God, she found her call of course I'd never tell her that because then she <laughs> can see it in. but no, but it's so sweet because it's a very tough life being a teacher. It's not easy. Summer's off fly by. That's a, that's a freaking.
0: Um, oh.
1: oh, it's a tough, tough life. So I'm just, uh, I'm so grateful that she found that and that you've parlayed yours into an actual calling and a personality on stage. And it's great.
0: We, so here on the podcast and in my act too, we call a non-teacher a muggle, because as teachers, (laughs) you know, we perform witchcraft every day that we know. Lisa, I was fully prepared for you to be a straight up, full-blown muggle. And Uh, this podcast is going to be the best because now we're speaking the same language.
1: Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I get it. And I remember, dude, years ago, probably when you were watching me as a young lad, before I even was on TV, I remember I had cut my teeth on comedy out. In the suburbs and on the road a little bit as an MC because I didn't want to go into the city or to LA until I was somebody as far as just stage persona, yeah. so they wouldn't look at me as a beginner. So when I came into the city, they were like, "Whoa, who's this?" But of course, you make no money in a city, but you want to do spots. So I approached Stand Up New York, which was one of the major clubs at the time, yep. and I was like, "Can I teach a comedy class?" So even back then, I was like, it. "Oh, I have something to offer," you know, and. I remember the class was supposed to be two to four on a Saturday. We literally went one to six because wow. it was so compelling to, to like help people mold themselves. Yeah. It, it just, I loved it.
0: Well, I, I even like it too. Sometimes I have to like pull myself back because I always ask first. Cause I'm not, I'm not like working with people and coaching and stuff like that, but I can't not be a teacher. And sometimes yeah. I'll hear somebody's bit and I have to ask like, can I tag that? Like, can I, can I, can I tell you what I was thinking when you said that too? And then just do it. Cause you know, there's, there is nothing in this world, like being in a room of comics. It's like, it's unbelievable. And you can do that too. But some people, some people can't drop their ego to be coached and to be Oh, I agree.
1: I agree. But you know what's wild? When people come up to me, I always said when I, after I retired, my first little foray into a hobby was, teaching this food and body image workshop because I had lost the weight and, you know, kept it off and stuff. And I said in the workshop, I said, you know, if someone has a suggestion for you after this you know, session, you can say no. Like you're allowed to say no, actually, I'm not taking advice right now. So it's your own agency. So I remember when comics would come up to me some I didn't respect and they would be like, you know what you should do? And I go, yeah, I'm not really taking suggestions right now. And I think that's okay. But when somebody you really respect says it, you're like, yeah, man, what else you got? Yeah. And you know who to trust and who has your best interest at heart.
0: Now I'm sorry. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Is there a better roaster? No, there's that.
1: But you want to know he's dead. Uh, Don Rickles was the best, but I will say, In comedy, I bet. I mean, I can't be the only one who thinks this. I always thought if you don't think you're literally the best comic, living or dead, you will not make it. So I secretly, of course, I would never say it out loud at the time. In my heart, I'm going, fuck Rickles, fuck Pryor. Like, I'm going, I'm freaking killing those guys. And honestly, You have to believe it or you can't subject yourself to the insanity of the comedy business, especially the first 10 years where you're not getting paid and you're getting paid lousy and you're getting treated like crap on the road because you're the MC or the feature and the headliner is a douchebag who doesn't want you to curse or whatever it is that he thinks he's a big shot, you know? So I think you have to just think you're the best. But as roasters, I know I'll never get the credit I deserve. Because people come after me and forget you. So I always keep the Rickles name alive. And I'm sure other people do, obviously, he's the icon. But do you know how much I believe in myself in that art form that I just go, nobody else has to believe it. That's the one thing I think in my life that I ever was like, oh, I don't even have to convince anyone. I just am so good at this. Because
0: your roasts are just so quick and cutting. And like, the, I think the best thing about a roast is it's really just a competition of who's going to push the limits the farthest. And Lisa, you fucking would just, there were no limits yeah. for you. Let me no. ask you, okay, at the time, particularly, when you were at the height of the roasts, you're known as the queen of mean, right? But even talking yeah. to you right now, you're not a mean person. Did right? it ever, did it ever like not feel good for you or did it ever feel like i don't know what i'm doing or or were you just so naturally writing this material that it was like let's fucking go
1: well the fact is rickles had a reputation and bob newhart was his best friend and to this day bob newhart will say i'm the mean one rickles is the nice guy so if you're really the nice guy off stage That's why with my comedy as insult comedy, I made fun of every race, creed, color, sexual, I used to say sexual abomination, like every um, sexual um, preference. It was just like, I love you all so I can make fun of you all and I can make fun of me. And Rickles, you know, I remember there's a line in Jerry Maguire saying something like, if you don't love everyone, you can't love anyone. And it's just like, wow, you gotta love everyone to do that kind of comedy. So when a roast would come up, I knew I had love in my heart, but suppose there was occasionally somebody on stage who I didn't like, who was nasty, who had been mean to me. And there were a few. And I would go, okay, this is called acting now. Cause if that edge comes through that you feel angry towards them, the whole roast is blown. And this is my TV shot. This is my money. Like I don't make money on the road unless I kill on those roasts. And then on Howard, when I go in and tell them the jokes they didn't use, so you have to really use acting. I had to use acting for a few guys and one woman in particular. And the woman who I had to use it with and I could tell the story. I think is, I know
0: who it is. Can I? Uh, is. We'll edit it out if you want to.
1: Well, no, no, no. I'll tell you because we made up and everything.
0: Is Sandra um, Bernhardt? I,
1: yeah, I was doing a yeah. private, not private roast, but one of those um, Friars Club roasts of, and it was of uh, Jerry Lewis. It was everybody from King of Comedy. So I'm sitting there and I go, okay, she hates me. Because through the grapevine, I'd heard that. Okay, I'm like, okay, I don't like anyone who doesn't like me. I'm not a saint. I'm not Mother Teresa. So I'm like, I got a few really funny jokes. Because like at the time, Richard Belzer was on a show, SVU. Mm -hmm. And uh, his character was called Detective Munch. And he was there. And I go, which ironically was Sandra Bernard's nickname in high school. So (laughs) I'm like, okay, I've got to do the jokes. But I can't even look at her. So I do the jokes she gave me the finger the whole time, and it was really stupid because that's what Andy Dick used to do, too. Not with the finger, but he'd act mad. Was and it acting? Me, I, knew I was,
0: never knew with him.
1: I don't know which it was. Right. So it kind of hurt my feelings that she did that. But I said, eh, you know, it's her journey or whatever. I always was kind of going, oh, what's the psychology behind these people and their damage, mm-hmm. trying to be compassionate a little bit. So I remember years later, she said something on Stern, and a friend of mine texts me. He goes, are you listening to Howard? And I'm like, what? Sandra Bernhardt just said she feels really bad and you're so funny and she felt bad she did that and she was wrong. And they connected us by phone and then we became friends. Oh, wow. And at lunch a bunch of times and like we just really liked each other. I go, wow, isn't it interesting how, you know, we're all just dented cans. Yeah. And we're just going to bang the dents out. And she was trying to bang hers out. I was trying to bang mine out. But, you know, it, it is a difficult position at a roast because you cannot act angry at anybody
0: your roast too always blew my mind because i knew i always knew that you were not you know actually the queen of mean and i remember too when you were touring in kansas and the infamous westboro baptist church who we know are the biggest gay haters in the world came and protested at your show and you to throw it back in their face said oh, for this every was, yes, protester, yes. I'm going to donate a thousand dollars to, it was a gay men's health crisis.
1: Yeah. And that's by the way, the charity that I won for on The Apprentice.
0: Right, right. So
1: uh, yeah, I had tweeted out cause they were all angry. Cause I have a gay following, you know, like it was about 30% gay guys. So that's why America. they were mad. Yeah. And also they just protest everybody and they just hate, you know, anybody they controversial hate hate. and who's gay friendly so i tweet out i'm gonna give a thousand dollars for every protester who shows up so you know I'm, I'm rich i don't care but i think about 20 are gonna show up and they're not gonna to want to show up because it the money goes to help these men but they figured they'd f me and 48 of them show up but then i'm like wait a minute i'm still rich i can give 50 and i'll look like a big shot plus it's so in their face that haha 50 grand is going to help all these men and women affected by HIV and F you. That literally is one of the proudest moments of my life. I love that. I it's love that thing in comedy, other than earning 130,000 for the them on the apprentice. That's probably like the proudest shit I've done. Cause I don't really, honestly you'll see when you get older, at me when you get older, but when you are like 60 years old, you're not going to go back and say, I remember that show or this show. You're going to be like, Oh, that, person who said they laughed despite their dad dying three weeks ago, or that person who said, I listened to you through chemo and it helped me. That's the stuff you remember. And I never thought I'd be this person saying that. So that, that gay men's health crisis shit. I loved it.
0: I thought it was the most tactful move in comedy that I've seen. I'm God, I think ever honestly, because it was not only powerful and impactful, but it was funny. You yeah, did it, it and you it was also funny. It was just great. Yeah.
1: Well, what's great, too, is that, you know, we talk about legacy. People worry about their legacy so much, and I used to. I mean, that's when I first saw Hamilton, and uh, it's all about legacy and being remembered, and when that song says something about you can't control who lives, who dies, who tells your story, Right, right. And I'm sobbing at the show, wondering why. And I'm like, oh, because I'm obsessed with being remembered. And when I let that go, I start seeing all these people remembering me. So it's like wild because those people at uh, GMHC, the people who saw me uh, with their parents when they're a little kid and they're like, oh, I could do comedy or whatever. I'm like, or the little gay kids. I get tons of feedback from gay guys who were like in their teens and are like, you made it OK to be who you are. You did. And I'm like, oh, so I think. Once you let go of being remembered, you're suddenly remembered for the right reasons.
0: I have so much more to talk to you about your podcast. And then we're going to get into the emails. We've got some good ones this week, which I'm stoked about too, because at first I thought I was going to have to do some teacher translation for you, but you're not a muggle. Know. You are a teacher. All right, Lisa, too. I wanted to tell you, if you one time said, and I, I have held strong to this forever. You said most guys in the clubs are going to give you 45 minutes. I'm sitting here giving you 60, 75, 90 and I thought that was so cool. And because of that, even with my first hour that I was touring with, I have never done under 60 because of you saying that. I think it's so important that you give back to your fans because they're paying their hard earned money to get to your shows, you give them a f-ing show.
1: Well, yeah, that's why I was always like, okay, it is true that there's a reason of the perfect show is an hour and a half, you know, in a club or a theater. You know, your opener, your MC does 15, then there's 30 by the feature, and then you do 45. Well, they're paying to see me. Mm -hmm. What, are you going to see these jerks? So I would bring one guy, he'd do 10 to 15 minutes, then I'd bang it out. Maybe do a tap dance at the end. We'll do whatever you want. I'd do some dumb thing (laughs) like that, or a roast or some dumb thing. And I'm like, oh, once they're paying to see you, See, there's a difference. A boyfriend of mine who did comedy years ago when I started said there's closers and there's headliners. Headliners are people they go to see. Closer is just the guy who happens to be there last. And once you're the headliner and your name's on that ticket, it's like, mm, they don't want to be seeing every jerk, you know, who you want to kill time before you.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's, and I think it's just, it's powerful. It's, it's, people forget too the business behind show business and that's oh. part of it. That's part of it.
1: I've always said it's 60% science and business. Totally. And little It's a little art thrown in there. I mean, even now, like I'll do my shameless plug for my podcast, Losers with a Dream. Yep. We literally are half business, half art. Like we tape two episodes tonight because Thanksgiving's next week. Well, that's the art part. Guess what the other part was? Film and the commercial, the promos, the little things, the sketches, the writing of the new episode, all that stuff. And you go... And so all that effing social media that people your age are teaching me how to do. So I'm like, you got to be smart and develop this. It's not being good. Isn't good enough. You have to do business and art. And if you can't, you're going to be a flake who gets stoned all the time. It's its own.
0: I love that you're moving into podcasting too. Podcasting, we were talking about yesterday on our phone call is so cool because there's no network behind you. You can just, you say what you want. Even if there is a network behind you, you are, you're doing your own thing too. Why'd you get into it? And do you like it?
1: Oh my God, this is insane. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm looking you right in the eyes. Even if you can't tell, I have never, and I'm not kidding, done anything better. Stop it. I'm talking about the quality because guess what happened? I retire from stand-up, right? Of course, I need achievement and accomplishment. I'm medicating with it still, even though I'm out of it. So Podcast One, probably one of the biggest podcast networks, giving me a, a, a deal for a podcast. Okay, it's not that much fun, and I don't like it. We do one season. It got maybe 10,000 downloads a week, which to me sounds great, but that's not enough for a huge network, too much pressure. So I'm done. Well, then I meet these two young comics and I notice last year that they're having very deep conversations. They're two straight guys, millennials. I literally thought I would never have anything in common with. And it is literally me taking the comedy part of me, the coaching part of me and the advice wisdom part of me and putting it into a podcast with them. And I'm telling you, just the inside scoop losers with a dream. Yep where it comes from that name is because do you remember on the roasts I used to make fun of everybody on the stage and then I'd go, but enough about these losers with the dream. Let's talk about William Shatner or whoever. So when we we're trying to come up with a name for the podcast, we couldn't figure it out. Cause I was like, really, we're all three of us losers trying to figure out what our dream is. And I go, even me, I'm trying to have a purpose, even with a small P with purpose. And I go, oh, we're just losers with a dream. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's the name. So I love that it has the homage to the roasts and who I was. And on the on the podcast, I'll be honest, I make fun of them. I goof on them. But there's love and advice and a lot of depth. And dude, I'm. I listen to it and I go, I've never done anything better there. It's up there with the roasts in quality. I can't, I'm I'm shocked. I'm saying that this late in life.
0: Losers with a dream. You guys can listen to it, whatever you get your podcasts. You don't want to miss it. Uh, It's it's, I will say the
1: former one that I did, I didn't love. And isn't that interesting how we'll that's not the right fit. That's not the right fit. I tried to, I wrote an off Broadway play and, didn't seem like the right fit. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. And then you're like, oh, because I relaxed into something. Do you find that too? Like the reason this podcast came into my lap and these men was because I just said it's going to come when it's supposed to. It, it, You can't force a connection with people and have a good show with oh, them. Oh, absolutely. So don't you find anything good that you've done is not forced?
0: Yeah, abs- 100%. I even on this podcast too, I love having people on, but I don't all the time because every time I've had a guest on who like, you know, someone's assistant calls my assistant asking, can they do it? I don't really know them. There's no genuine connection. And sometimes it's like pulling teeth. And I, the best episodes are people who I genuinely know about, care about, people even in my life who they might not even know about the fans. But even when it's just me sitting here talking by myself to the camera, I mean...
1: I'm having fun. Audiences can tell instantly if you're forcing it.
0: Totally.
1: Oh my God. It's totally. The worst. And totally. Then that's when you're practicing. I had five one hour specials and I'm telling you, that's why you go to a club and you work it out. I mean, I remember one of my heroes, you know, we don't, we're not similar at all, but he's just the greatest guy in the world. Jeff Foxworthy, who's a legend. Yes. Would Literally go to the Atlanta punchline, have a huge garbage can on stage have index cards this thick and be like, okay, here we go. Garbage, garbage, good, garbage, garbage. I'm like, oh, I can learn from that, which is how your specials don't seem forced and that you're trying to be something you're not.
0: Uh, I got to ask you this too, Lisa, too. Holy shit. So we'd filmed the rough cut of my hour right now to potentially sell it to a special. When your special goes out there, do you immediately go on the road with all brand new? What did you do?
1: No, it's ridiculous. What would you you do? it's ego. Same thing.
0: Really? Also,
1: also my, sh- remember my show was ho- so interactive that so it was always nervous. different. Yeah. So what happened would be all the insults and all the crowd work. I love that the best. I'd want that to be 90% of on stage in the live experience. So it didn't affect me as much, but I still had bits of course. Yeah. But I was like, what big egomaniac thinks that um they oh everyone must have seen my special and also PS guess what? Aerosmith always does dream on. Mm. You know what I'm saying? The Rolling Stones always do start me up. It's because audiences want to be in on, oh my God, they bring their friend and this is them. I gotta hear this one. Oh my God, this one's great. What do you hear with this? Yeah, yeah. you feel on the inside? I've never had anyone staring at me going, heard it. And if they did, then they're a dick and you have to call them out. So I think don't put that pressure on yourself. I won't. I mean, have fun and go, even if you address it, you go, hey, this last one was on my special, check this out. It's one of my favorites. Call yourself out on it and have fun with it.
0: When it happens, because I'm a person who puts it out there on the world, so it's a when, not an if. When it happens, I'm inviting you to the taping. The end.
1: Dude, are you kidding? I would so come. I'm gonna come up on stage and introduce you.
0: I'd love to have you. We're gonna get into the emails in just a second, you guys. We'll be right back with Lisa Lampanelli. Lisa, I forgot to tell you. You know, you're the one of the first people to see me with my brand new bald head. I just shaved this less than an hour ago. It's sexy. I kind of like, like, I'm not going to lie. I'd
1: sleep with me. Like I looked in yeah, the mirror. I was you like, look, I'm no, you, you look good. Do you? Do, what made you actually make that decision?
0: Start, I'm starting to go in the front. So what mm-hmm. I wanted to do is I actually had a consult to get my hair done, like surgically done. Yeah. And I was sitting there. I'm like, yeah, could I do it? Yeah. But I'm like, but what if I look good, bald? So I was like, let's see first. So I just shaved it and I'm like, I'm into
1: this. I would keep it and I'll tell you why. Those plugs, they have really perfected. They look really good. They do. But it is one of from what I hear, the most painful things in recovery. Like it's supposedly so difficult. You have headaches for weeks. And also there's something about I hate to sound like a friggin' author. <laughs> but like leaning in to like your whatever you are just sounds like a better idea. That's why Isn't I've it? never done anything to my face. I know how to put on makeup, but I would never have Botox or surgery because it's just like, oh God, I've had this effing face for 60 years. I'm used to it by now. Right. It's never going to get any better. Like, let's just freaking accept who we are. So I like this lean in. And also, the shaved head looks really badass. It looks good.
0: You're into that?
1: No, it looks excellent. And you know, does uh your significant other like it
0: so i i actually filmed him when i came home like this today and he was like oh, joe and he rubbed my head and I, yes, he's yes. like he's like i love it i'm like hell yeah he goes i don't like the glasses but i love them." i don't
1: know what's odd though the first thing i noticed was the glasses and i said i really like them
0: oh, i love that <laughs>
1: that's funny now what doesn't he like about the glasses
0: i don't know that i don't wear them often so it's like a that's oh. what's throwing him off but we'll see Boys, Welcome to the circle of trust, Lisa. This is how it works. I reach out to the fans. I ask, I tell them what the topic is and they just bitch and bitch. It's their safe space to bitch about school and work or whatever it is. I pick some of my favorites. We read them, we talk about them. I got some good ones this week. I asked them for um, Nightmare Coworkers, just like the worst, lay it out. Um, and I thought I was going to have to, you know... Uh, uh translate teacher talk for you but you got this girl you ready for this
1: yes sir here
0: we go the first one's called nasty mcnasterson and this one if you got a weak stomach hold on okay Uh-oh. i had known this co-worker for days joe only a few days keep that in mind days we're both special educators and i enter into her classroom to ask a question i had heard that she was a paperwork Guru to rely on. As I approach her, she waves me closer and asks me what kind of shirt I'm wearing. I thought that she was complimenting my outfit, so I came closer and answered where I got the shirt. As I was in mid sentence, this coworker grabbed the end of my shirt, pulled me even closer, then began cleaning her glasses with the end of my shirt. I was shocked. She must have seen it on my face and explained that she needed more of a cotton like shirt because hers was silky and would just smear the dirt. I also wear glasses, so, in an extent, I actually sort of understand. Then, so quickly, before I even had time to react, this coworker licks her glasses and then uses my shirt to wipe them <laughs> clean. I knew right then that this woman and I would either be best friends or the worst of enemies. And in that moment, I didn't know which way of the cookie this was going to fall down. More than three years later, and even though we don't work together anymore, we'll still catch up for month- monthly dinners. Turns out she's my kind of McNasty.
1: Oh my that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever. That is what we call boundaryless. Could you um,
0: imagine someone that you no. just met in your first interaction with them?
1: Well, by the way, I can't imagine doing that with a good friend. Oh, never. That's so, like, out there, there's gotta be though a little something off about her.
0: Oh, for sure. So yeah, no,
1: I. I'm very sort of I don't like a lot of touching Mm -hmm. like my guys on the podcast joke with me because I'm not a big hugger. I really am secretly, but I have to work up to it because I don't want to get hurt or whatever. I have walls up. But um, wow. No, I would have to hate that person. And I'm the type who I probably would have gone to the principal and been like. You have to tell so and so not to treat me like this anymore. <laughs> I would do a big Helen Lawson or a big Joan Crawford on them.
0: I am from Detroit originally too, so I'm a little bit like hard sometimes. And Seattle can't take it. I just, you know, here they're passive aggressive. I cut the passive. We get straight to aggressive. I I know that I probably would have been like, bitch. Like, no, 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 not you, not your. And then when she licked it, oh.
1: You reading it, my mouth was open the whole time because that's insane.
0: It is insane. I don't think I would do it. And I honestly, I don't think that I could have had this mindset. She had a very positive mindset, I do have to say, where she was like, we're either going to be great friends or worst enemies. I immediately would have been like, you're dead to me.
1: Well, that's the thing. I would have written her off. I mean, and, and again- Maybe that shows I write off people too quickly and to give them a chance, but I don't think I could have got beyond because also just physical boundaries. I mean, that's like an important thing. Oh yeah. I had gone to a program for overeating um, where it was like 28 days in rehab and things like that. It was really hardcore. And they were like, you know, you have to ask if you can, may I touch your shoulder? May I touch, you know, do you want a hug? I mean, this is just, that's outrageous. I know. Oh my God. I, it makes me want to stop wearing glasses just in case.
0: I probably, if I was her, I would just be wearing contacts the entire time. I wouldn't even have fucked with it.
1: Can you imagine? I'm like, Joe, my blouse is kind of silky. I really need you to like, and you'd be like, yeah, no, you, you need to leave now.
0: Okay, but what if she asked you? If she was like, if she came, you came closer, you're this teacher, she comes up to you and she's like, your shirt is exactly what I need to clean my glasses. Can I just like use a little bit of your sleeve or the bottom of your shirt? Would you have said yes?
1: God, no. I was just I would have, I literally would have gone, and I'm not gonna be bravado like I'd say, bitch, you crazy. I would have been like, dude, that's crazy. No. Like I just would be are you kidding me? Like you're joking, right? Like I kind of tell it like it is like that whole saying, uh, say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't say it mean. Right. I kinda of try to do that now, now that I'm not a comic anymore. <laughs> But I would probably be like, no, I really can't. That's inappropriate. Like, it's just weird.
0: Oh, you're a better person than me. There we go.
1: You would have been meaner.
0: This one's good, too. Here we go. This one's called I Can't With Her. Hi Mr. D, first of all you're amazing. I loved your show in Phoenix and my muggle boyfriend who I dragged there actually really enjoyed it too. That's the best when you can flip a non-fan into a fan. I love it. That I spent the cool. I spent the last 3 years with a truly toxic coworker who got progressively more nightmarish each year. It started out simple with excluding me from team plans outside of school plans and full on would stop talking when I got into the lunch Room. It just kept getting worse and worse. The final straw was when she made the mistake of uploading a video instead of our meeting notes to our Google Drive. Turns out, She actually sent a video that she had secretly been recording me on her cell phone during our virtual team meetings. When I confronted her about why she was filming me, she told me that she was gathering evidence of my unprofessional behavior to give to my principal. The unprofessional behavior that she claims was in the video I found was of me taking notes during the meeting. I quickly told admin about this and I needed a new grade level or I was leaving. Admin was actually more than happy to help me and move me into another grade the next year. She still can't leave me alone, though. She has made multiple attempts of telling lies about me to the rest of our team at no end. Anyway, we all enjoy laughing at her desperation.
1: Isn't that psychotic? She's in love with her.
0: Oh my god! For sure, has to be
1: guaranteed. Yeah. The second that you're that obsessed, it's like when people walk by and go obsessed with me much. Yeah, like I always, you know, it's a p- pulling the pigtails. Putting, remember the old, the old uh, when in the twenties, putting the pigtail in the inkwell. Like it's literally just harassing the little girl on the the recess playground because you have a crush on her. That's insane. There's a great love that's being covered by a great hate here. So somebody Mm -hmm. wants to twiddle somebody else.
0: And I don't know what it is. In my experience, too, teachers can be the worst. They eat their young. It's it's wild. Teachers will turn on each other in like the nastiest ways. It's either that or you're like the sweetest, kindest heart in the whole wide world. But I have seen this like in person and it is disgusting. I'm always like, like, why? If you have a problem, just talk to the person.
1: Do you think well it's also cowardly? It's very tough. I do not hang out with people who say I hate confrontation. Personally, I don't love it because I used to just be so angry and I'd yell and you lose a friend. Now I kind of go, Oh, we have to gear up for a really hard talk. It's gonna, you know, I have to stay calm. And but then you go, well, I don't hate it anymore because we just talked like adults. Like I'm always so proud of myself when I have an adult conversation. But the one who's taping and stuff—if she doesn't like that other one, who hey, we don't know if that other one's a bit of a scoundrel too, right? Like we don't know. So we have only one side here. She could work her way up to a conversation where she says, "I just don't like how you've been treating me."
0: I love that you flip that too, because even when I read these emails, I often don't look at the person who wrote it and been like, "What have you been up to?"
1: Well, by the way, because you know what's a—I'm sure this person's perfectly nice, but. I've been saying lately, I get interviewed a lot about this self-help type stuff. And I go, other than true diagnosed narcissists and sociopaths, which is a very small percentage, people aren't toxic. The combination's toxic. Mm -hmm. So if you and I don't get along, that doesn't mean Lisa's toxic or Joe's toxic. It's, oh, we're toxic together. Yep. So these two happen to be toxic together. So- when somebody says right off the top, somebody's toxic, I go, are they? I mean, this one does sound like a freaking handful and I'd love to come in and roast them. However, I'm retired from it, but you know, it is a very, um, it's an insane way to act and to not just talk about first.
0: And that's the thing too. I always tell is, I, a lot of the corporates that I do are like teacher related. So school districts and teacher conferences and things like that. And, um, I always tell new teachers, too, you don't have to like all of the teachers in your building. You just have to be a damn good actor and make everyone think that you do, because as teachers, you wear many hats. You're a teacher, you're a dentist, you're a firefighter, and you're a friggin' Academy award winning actor. And every day you're working for that Oscar.
1: Well, I'll tell you, you're 100 percent right. And I when you told me yesterday, you know, oh, we do these emails. And I thought to myself, you know, coworkers, wow. I've been lucky enough that in the past 30 something years, I don't have like um, bosses. Mm -hmm. I don't have people who are underlings that I don't choose. So the guys who are my co-hosts, I chose them and you can fight things through and it's fine. But dude, the idea of being stuck in a school with like 20 other people who could be a little off and personality conflicts, I couldn't deal with it. I like, yeah, I, dude, I, even when I volunteer, I want to kill half the other volunteers. I know, I know. Right? The,
0: the, best, the best thing, I love teaching and people are always like, are you ever going to go back to the classroom? And I say, honestly, I'm never going to say no because sure. I really loved it. So if there was an opportunity and the timing was right, for sure. But I do always say this, there is nothing like being your own boss. There is nothing like being your own boss.
1: Well, that's one thing I would say to you. This is not negative, but I do when I did say to you, I don't worry about you, I'm not worried about your career. You will get the opportunity to develop a TV show about your life and about what you're doing and you're teaching and the network is rough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I sold TV shows and the notes and the this and the that. So just use this time to go, oh, I'm gonna have a boss because I'm gonna have a TV show and I don't have the last say. That's why TV is so, so tough. Shit. Well, but it's worth it because eventually you do become a producer and write your own ticket and stuff.
0: Right. right. So
1: getting through that first few years, but yeah, being bossless is so badass. I always loved it.
0: That's why I tell teachers to because, you know, being a teacher, especially the first five to 10 years of teaching, you have to have a part-time job usually, especially if you're a single teacher, because we're poor. But uh, doubling down on that side hustle is so cool. I always honor teachers who have those side hustles because they are their own boss. And that's the place where they can run their Etsy shop or sell whatever they make and stuff. And they call the shots. And that's a cool feeling.
1: Well, do you I, I know a teacher who he's he's going to Emerson, I guess, for his master's in teaching of theater. And he has an Etsy shop he posts a lot of funny things that happen because parents are so awful and he gets very down on the whole thing. He's like really sad about that. the parents are really tough. Do you, had you found that parents were more difficult to deal with than students and other teachers?
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Very, can be like very unfair, but, but also on the flip side, the best. So you, have had the worst of the worst and the best of the best. And sometimes even in the same year, the same sitting, which is just wild. But I've had parents try to take me down just for like being gay, saying that I have an alternative agenda and all that stuff. And and I would just flip it and say things like, you know, if any person in the world wants to work with kids and the trade-off is live a life of poverty, that person needs to be in the classroom. And I'm like, I'm here for your kid. I care for your kids. So whatever you think about me, other than that, go ahead and think it. And luckily I had a lot of administrators who would back me up on that. But just like you hear from, you know, little gay boys who would watch your stuff and say, you know, you told me it's okay to be different and all that stuff, which is true. I hear from young first year teachers, a lot of which are in the South. And can't be themselves, and they watch my stuff and go to my shows, and they will write me and say, "You're telling me that it is. I need to be myself in the classroom, not for me, but for the kids, because one of them is me." And I'm like, "What? You got to go, baby. You got to do it."
1: You're right, and I think also because kids aren't stupid; they can sense things.
0: Totally, and
1: it's like if they sense you're hiding who you are, then you kind of are leading them down the wrong path and teaching them to be apologetic for who they are.
0: And I've said this so many times. It's like, if you are, if a kid has the same type of teacher year after year after year after year, you're doing a detriment to that kid and their growth. Because if every teacher is a little bit of themselves and they bring who they are in their regular lives, whether it's just their hobbies and what they do or what their family is like, or then their culture and everything, you're now exposing kids to life outside of the school. Which-
1: right. Right. That's
0: how you change like, perception.
1: Welcome to the real freaking world. 100%. You
0: know?
1: Oh, my God. Okay,
0: I'll give you a choice for the last one. Ooh, okay. The titles are, how, the, and she is such a teacher, she started out the F word. How the really? F does this person have a job is one. Or the mm-hmm. other one's called ego trip. What are you feeling?
1: Ooh. I think got to go with the F because, you know, that's my second favorite word. How
0: the F? F, does this person have a job? Hello, Mr. D. First and foremost, I love your podcast. It makes my afternoons amazing and full of great laughs from my personal life. Would love to go to your show one day. I saw on Instagram your topic, and boy, was this a cherry on top before the end of a school during a pre-COVID school year. I'm a former para-educator. I work in the local high school in an amazing program called transition that works on life skills with special needs students i had a co-worker who was from the south texas she was a religious nut and it drove me absolutely insane being in a public school setting our classroom had two parts the main and an extra classroom that held two students that were separated from other students for safety reasons that i know that type The next thing that was nice about that room was that it had the staff fridge for all of our lunches. I'm a bit of a health nut and would bring my lunch every single day. I had gone into that room one time to put my lunch away and started talking to a different coworker who I loved chatting with before work every day. And out of nowhere, this Southern gal teacher comes in, gets up in my face and says, you have 24 hours to bring back what you took from me or I'm sending the cops after you. I calmly asked what she was talking about because I did not know. Turns out she had misplaced her pocket knife and blamed it on me as if I was the one who took it. She's clearly targeting me only because I'm one of the youngest teachers in the building. We got into it for a while and I had to walk away in tears because unfortunately, that's my flight or fight reaction. I had told my boss and they made sure to keep me and the gal separated until things were totally resolved. I told my administrator and human resources and guess what? Nothing happened happened. That woman still works here. I had to transfer out, but I still feel like I shouldn't have had to. Thanks for the joy your podcast brings. FYI, if you ever want amazing Polish food and drinks, drop by the Polish Home Association on Fridays, and I will spot you a meal and a drink. Thanks. Sorry, not sorry. Well, she knows the way to my heart is through a good pierogi, but
1: okay i love her for so many reasons (laughs) first of all me too i always am triggered by the i hope i get to see you sometime well bitch look on a calendar of course you're gonna get to see me sometime i mean i'm coming to your town like stop (gasps) acting like it's your dream come true and just do it i need money buy tickets secondly no one wants to go to your house for pierogies or anything you recommend we fly in we do a show we take a nap and we get the f out so no one cares but I will say, other than being annoying for those two reasons, I love the rest of that letter. And I feel terrible that I accused her of taking that knife. I thought I apologized for it. And I'm so sorry. Isn't that
0: crazy?
1: <laughs> no, that is nuts. That woman. And again, like you say, you know, this is probably sounds like one of the few where you do say toxic or insane. And it's actually true. Like that woman sounds like literally off the deep end, this 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 Southern whatever. Because so let's yeah. break
0: it down. The first problem is, why the hell do you bring a pocket knife to school? Well, why do you, you have it?
1: What is she whittling? I would say to her, <laughs> I would say to her, I will return your pocket knife. I will stick it right up your, you know what? Because that is just horrible. Accusing anyone of anything. Boy, you got to really slow your roll before you jump to that conclusion.
0: Balls, big balls, big balls.
1: I mean, a knife. Let's just not even I can't even.
0: We can't. We don't even have time to go through it. Lisa, (laughs) having you on the podcast, uh, a delight, a joy. I'm glad to call you a new friend. Thank you for being here. You guys um, go ahead and listen to Losers with a Dream wherever you get your podcast. Lisa, where else can people keep up with what you're up to?
1: Oh, well, you're gonna laugh at this. I am the maybe one of the few 60-year-olds who just got on TikTok. Hey! And, uh, welcome. At, yes, it's at Losers with a dream. I have no idea how to do TikTok. I just asked a few millennial friends and they told me it's super fun and dumb and I love doing it, which I'm shocked at. And they could also find me at Lisa Lampanelli on all the socials and uh, we've got some live podcast taping dates coming out, so look on my Insta page.
0: I love it, Lisa. You're the best. Thanks for coming on.
1: Love you, pal
0: hey guys just wanted to stop by and again thank all of the newest patreon members thank you so much for being a member on patreon that's how we keep the podcast going i appreciate your support uh you're loving the podcast and if you're listening right now and you love the podcast consider becoming a patreon member it's how we keep it going and not only that you get awesome perks we just gave away new mr d stickers to all the patreon fans got a free sticker pack Other things that you can get in there as well just gonna say this the sticker pack's only available for a week so become a patreon member now you'll get that as your first perk and bonus content each and every week hello to our newest members carolyn marsh nicole askew bethany borden bailey newsome jay shanks shay panapinto lindsey kent olivia reed melanie van dorp maria diaz jimmy della riva Mrs. Siegel and Cheyenne, just Cheyenne. Thank you guys so much again. You become um, you can become a Patreon member at Patreon.com/slash/JordanBrowski. That's Patreon.com/slash/JordanBrowski. Patreon.com/slash/JordanBrowski. Hey guys, everybody out there listening, Patreon or not, thank you so much for listening to the Social Studies Podcast. I love making this for you. I love you so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye.